Before Dan comes up to preach here in just a moment, I just want to spend a few moments casting some vision for you. Here at Aletheia Church, we view ourselves and know that God has called us to be a church for the campus and for the community. That is our vision here at this church. And it's pretty easy to figure out why with the community that we have, the community we're placed in, and the university that is well represented in this room today. Because of the transient nature of our community, one of our values here at Aletheia Church is beyond Aletheia. We recognize and realize that this church changes over sometimes semester to semester. That in two, three, four, definitely in five years, almost none of you will be here in this church. And it's because the sovereign hand of God will launch you out all over the world to be disciple makers of Jesus Christ. And because you are being called out to be disciple makers of Jesus Christ, we have a very intentional strategy for our church. It's the four E's. It's to engage, to encourage, to equip, and to empower you to be disciple-making missionaries wherever you go for all of your days. And we want you to know that we are serious about that. Many, many churches hold on to this special spot in their church. This becomes like sacred ground that only the lead pastor can indwell, only he can speak from and speak to his congregation. But we do not view church in that way because we take seriously Ephesians 4 where we are called to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And so today is a great example of how committed we are to our intentional vision and mission and strategy here at Aletheia Church. One of our young eagles, as we like to call him, we're going to let him fly and spread his wings, which he has done for you before. He has preached here before. But we want you to know it is part of that the elders and the, and the pastors here at Aletheia are fulfilling their calling to raise up young men who can faithfully preach and proclaim the word of God to you. After this service today, there's going to be a time to teach you how to have gospel conversations. We're in a season of really focusing in on our one. Who's your one that God has put in your life that, that you are to directly connect with and to lead into a relationship with Jesus Christ? This will also be led by those of you who are committed to carrying out the gospel of Jesus Christ, but who aren't paid staff, who are being raised up to train others how to faithfully disciple others so that the name of Jesus may be known throughout the entire world. So if you're wondering, man, why should I make myself to be a part of Aletheia Church? We want to tell you this is one of, the, one of the big reasons why. It's because we are intentionally committed to investing in you, to engage with you, to encourage you, to equip you, and empower you to be disciple-making missionaries until Jesus calls you home in the future. With that being said, let's invite Dan Green up. And uh, he will be sharing the word of God with us today. Hey, Aletheia Church. Let's, get, oh, actually, no, wait, 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 let's start in prayer. Let's start in prayer. <laughs> Father, I need you, I need your guidance. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. I thank you for Aletheia. I thank you for this church that we can come together and exalt your name and praise your name. And I pray that this time 
right now is a continuation of that. That would be your name that is known, not Daniel, but your name. Take me a broken vessel and communicate your gospel to everyone. May your spirit work within me and work within the hearts of everyone here. May we be convicted and may we change. It's in your son's precious name I pray this. Amen. So before we get started, I think we have this uh, scripture reading journal thing. So Daniel back there has some of them out. And if you are new here and you haven't received a scripture reading journal, um, please go ahead and raise your hand. On the left-hand side is just the Word of God. On the right-hand side is just an opportunity to journal. These lights are insanely blinding. Um, but yeah, while, while we're waiting, if you guys want to just raise your hand. So the title of today's sermon is An Empowered Gospel Community. And I'm excited to be preaching about this topic because I love community. I love Aletheia's community. And I know that all of us ultimately desire community. We all want to belong. We all want to be a part of a group that we can say, these are my people, my friends. They've got my back, and they know me. They care for me. They support me no matter what. We all desire this. We, we, we desire marriage for that same reason, because we want to know someone in a deep and personal way that we can con- convey the struggles that we have in our life. And we know this, we know it's in our nature to want community because we're made in God's image, and God himself is community. He's a triune God. He's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, each with separate roles and separate functions, and yet with the same goal of the glorification of God. And we are made in his image, and therefore we desire community. But how often do we see communities that really have that kind of depth, where people really know one another, really love one another in incredible ways, in ways that we see God does. It's rare. But why is that? Why, why is it so rare for communities to exist if we so much desire to be a part of one that is deep and personal? In reality, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be a part of a community where you're honest with people. It's time-consuming. You have to really spend a lot of time to get to know people in that way. And so it means you kind of have to turn off the television or your phone or whatever it is and spend time with people and get to know them. But you also have to be willing to be vulnerable and have the tougher conversations and be honest and open. And that's hard to do for all of us because all of us really want to protect our identity. And we don't want people to know the struggles that we have in life. See, there's this idea of our our greatest fear, or one of our greatest fears in this life, is that we would be fully known, that people would know all the rottenness and the struggles and the pain that is going on in our life. We don't want people to know that. But yet, at the same time, what if we could be fully known and yet still fully loved by people. If they could know all the stuff that's going on in our life, all the struggles, all the pain, and still accept us, and still love us, and still invest in us, that is our greatest desire. 
But that's hard. It's, it's hard to develop a community like that. But thankfully, God has provided for us through his word, through his inspired, holy, inerrant word, he has provided for us an example of a community that lives like this, where they know and they love one another in an incredible way. This is a community that came off of all these events that's happened so far in an Acts a community that came with tongues of fire on their head, a community that came off of speaking in tongues in front of people, an incredible message that Peter preached. This is that community. This community is the very first church. And that's what we're studying today, a church that fully knows one another and fully loves one another, at least strives to do so. And so to help in our examination of the text, and help in our understanding of community, empowered gospel community, I've got some questions that will help guide us through it. So if we can throw those up there. Um, That's the first one. What are the characteristics of an empowered community? The next one is, and that's my fault, um, the next one is, what is a gospel community empowered by? And then finally, how do we do this? So let's go ahead and read the text and get a refresher on uh, what this community looks like, and then we'll dig into that first question. (laughs) Acts 2, 42 to 47. The fellowship of the believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the first characteristic that we can kind of see here in this community is a community devoted to the gospel. We know this because of that first line in verse 42 where it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. These apostles were not just saying whatever they wanted to say. These people were devoted to the gospel. Many of them lived and walked with Jesus. And so when when it says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were devoting themselves to the gospel. But what does that mean to be devoted? As we see in this text here, there's that theme of day by day. Day by day, they were devoting themselves. They were devoting themselves to the gospel. That means digging into the word. That means listening to whatever the apostles had to say. The other area that we know that they were devoted to the gospel is because they were a community that was founded upon it. This community came from Peter's incredible message where he used the prophecies of of Joel and David, and he talked to them, and he said, this Jesus, the one, his spirit, who is empowering us to do incredible things here speaking in tongues, this Jesus is the one that you crucified. And I I love the response 
And I love the scripture that says, it says, and they were cut to the heart. These people were cut to the heart, and they said, well, what do we do? And Peter said, repent, repent. And then 3,000 people's souls were saved, and this is that church. 3,000 people developed into this church, and these people truly repented because we are seeing a community that is unique. So they devoted themselves to the gospel, pursuing it on a consistent basis. But not only the gospel, they also devoted themselves to one another. See, yes, you should be reading your Bible, and yes, you should be coming to church, but another element of God's community is us. We have to be devoting ourselves to one another. So that means it's more than just sitting shoulder to shoulder on a Sunday morning. It's more than just maybe even a Wednesday night or whenever your gospel community is. It's actually more than that. These people are doing it day by day. Now, I'm not saying you have to day by day attend the temple together. This is a descriptive text. But there's something that we can learn from this. We should be devoting ourselves. We should be meeting together on a consistent basis and getting to know one another. And the reason that this community can do that is because they were devoted to the gospel. See, that there is no community like the church because we are a community that, that loves one another and forgives one another. So when you want to bring your brokenness to the church, you can be assured that everyone else is going to recognize that they're broken too because that's the gospel. We're all broken. And the Bible calls us to be honest and to be real with one another in a community That's what we're called to do, and we're called to be devoted to one another. It says, verse 45, they were selling their possessions and their belongings. Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together. They were not just just there for each other emotionally. They were actually supporting one another financially. And we can be called to to do the same thing. We help one another out because we love each other. We strive to love one another in the way that Christ loved us us. That's what we see in this text. This kind of community was radical, so radical that it says in verse 43, awe came upon everyone. Can you imagine a community so powerful, so impactful, so incredible that it's inspiring to the world, to where everyone's looking at it in awe, You can ask yourself that if you've ever been a part of a community like that. If Aletheia Church is a community like that, where people look at it and are like, whoa, that's awesome. I want to be a a part of a community like that that really, really knows people and is gracious and kind and forgiving in ways that we don't see in the world. See, the church is the place for that. Aletheia can be the place for that. A place where people can be known and loved. I, I have a couple examples of, of this where just this past week, I was uh, in my gospel community, as I encourage all of you to be a part of, 
And in it, at the end of it, I was just really struggling with this sermon. This was a very tough one for me to prepare. I was extremely stressed about it. And I was talking to this guy at the end of it. And I talked to him about, man, dude, I feel swamped. I just feel overwhelmed by everything that's going on with working extra hours and then coming home and feeling like I just have no time. I have to go and sermon prep, and then that's my day. And he's like, dude, I get that. He's also working full-time, and he's in class part-time. And so we were empathizing with one another, and he comforted me in that season. And I don't know how comforting I was to him, but he comforted me (laughs) during that season. And I was thankful for that. In that moment, I was like, man, this is what it's about. I I tell people, I tell him about my struggles, about what's bringing me stress, about bringing me pain, and then he responds and says, me too, dude, I get it. Here's the word of God to encourage you and to comfort you. And the same way, later that night, I had another person who spoke to me, and this person has been devoted to me. This person has consistently reached out to me on a continual basis, on a weekly basis, we meet up, and he encourages me constantly, which is very needed, because I'm a words of affirmation guy. But he encourages me on a constant basis, but this time, he, he said something a little different, which is also extremely valuable. At the end, we were talking, and he's like, hey, I've noticed a trend in you, where I noticed that you actually struggle to submit to authority, which you may not know if you, if you know me on a surface level, because I tend to actually obey authority, but in my heart, I'm quite rebellious. I really struggle. In fact, that's the reason why I struggle to read extra-biblical texts. That's the reason why I struggle to listen to extra sermons outside of Aletheia, because I'm like, what do they have to say? Who are they? They're not the Word of God. Who are they? They're not Jesus. I'm not going to listen to them. I'm just going to read the Bible. And that's arrogance. That is serious arrogance. And I'm thankful that this person helped me in a gracious way and said, hey, man, I think you've got a problem. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think I do. <laughs> and thankfully, he was there for me to help me in that. But we spent so much time together, and he's done so much encouraging and so much loving that we could get to that point where he's like, hey, bro, something going on. You need help. I was like, thank you. But that's, that's the beauty of community. That's what it looks like. And that's why I encourage, that's what I want to see in all of Aletheia is we have people that know one another in that kind of way to where people around us are in awe. In verse 47, it says that they were added to, that church was added to day by day. Why? God wanted people to be part of that church. God wanted people to be a part of a church that, that loved each other and knew each other and, and was devoted to the gospel. Of course, God is going to multiply a church like that. And so that is my encouragement for all of you to be involved in that way, to get to know people in that way here at Alethe, at the local church, because it's not going to happen in the world. The world doesn't know the gospel. They cannot love you in the way that those who know the gospel can. It has to happen here. Your community cannot be founded outside of the bride of Christ. If you want to know Jesus, 
then you have to know his bride, the church. It has to be here. It has to be at your local church. No other community has God designed to be his own community than the local church. Yes, you can have friends outside of church. I'm not saying that. I have friends outside of church. I work with these people eight to ten hours a day. I have friends outside of, outside of work. But, but our community, I'm not trying to prove anything, um, our community here at Aletheia is going to be unique because it's founded upon the gospel. And so it does need to be here. This is where you need to find your ultimate community community that's founded upon the gospel, a community that God has created and designed, his church. It needs to be here. The third point of what are the characteristics of a gospel community. We had devoted to the gospel, devoted to one another. third one is devoted to prayer. To be honest, I'm terrible at this, but this is one of those areas that I probably, at least in my experience, have seen the worst at churches? Like, what do you think, the answer is obvious now, but what do you think is the most, the most, the least attended meeting event at a church? I don't know who said it, but great job, Brent. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, prayer meetings. We had one for a year straight. How many people do you think showed up to a prayer meeting on average? Yeah, like five. How many people do you think showed up to a worship night? Maybe like 40? I don't know. But that's just the nature. Prayer is hard. It's hard because it's not instantly satisfying like our phones are or anything else. Prayer requires faith and trust. And so when we're done praying, we'll be like, okay, cool. Now we have to wait for something to happen. It requires trusting in God. It's hard. It's also hard because praying corporately is tough. It's, It's vulnerable. We do have to remember we're praying to God, and we're not trying to press other people. But praying as a church in the way that this church did, together, day by day, we do need to pray corporately. We're called to pray corporately, because that is what God will use. He will use that. See, we know prayer works because we see it all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture. Think of Abraham interceding and praying, God, have mercy on Sodom. And Moses doing the exact same thing for the Israelites. Have mercy on these rebellious people. And Solomon asked for wisdom. When I read that, when I thought about those things, I thought about our one. I thought about that is how we know that this works. That is how we know that we should pray. Because they interceded. They said, God, please have mercy on them. And in the same way, we can pray for our one and be like, God, please have mercy on these lost people that do not know you. Please have mercy on them. And he wants to answer that. He wants you to pray that. He wants you to devote your time to prayer. I love um, Charles Spurgeon. I don't know how many of you guys know him, but he's uh, a wonderful preacher. Kevin's fist pumping. Um, So you know it's a good guy. So... (laughs) Um, Charles Spurgeon was a preacher in the 1800s. He was considered like the prince of preachers, incredible preacher. But what's more incredible about Charles Spurgeon's church, the Metropolitan Tabernacle, is that when people got tours around the church and whenever they took them to the basement, what did they see? 
people on bended knee. You like that? A little rhyme. I don't know if you got it. That was unintentional. Um, but people were praying. People were devoted to prayer, and people would see that, and these people were praying constantly. They were asking God, please help Charles, because he needs it. Please help our church. Spirit, work within us. May we be continually devoted to the gospel. May we be continually devoted to one another. May we represent Christ in our actions. These people were devoted. It was this pastor that encouraged this church. Charles Spurgeon encouraged his church with this. He said, All hell is vanquished when the believer bows his knee in importunate supplication. Beloved beloved brethren, let us pray. We cannot all argue, but we can all pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty in rhetoric, but we can all be prevalent in prayer. I would, see, I would sooner see you eloquent with God than with men. Prayer links us with the eternal, the omnipotent, the infinite, and hence is our chief resort. Be sure that you are with God, and then you may be sure that God is with you. That is powerful. That's why he's the prince of preachers. He encouraged his church, and his church encouraged him in prayer. They were devoted to it in the same way we can be that way, Aletheia Church, corporately. I know I'm not, I'm not saying all of you guys aren't praying on your own time. I trust that you are. But corporately, this is a struggle for Aletheia and every other church I've been a part of. But if we want to embody the very first instance of a church, if we want to look like a community that God designed it to be, then we do have to be devoted to prayer. We have to be devoted to one another. We have to be devoted to the gospel. Thankfully, we're not on our own on this. We're not just fighting and fighting and trying as hard as we can to be able to pull this off. Because these are difficult things. It's hard to develop a community like this because we do have to be raw and vulnerable with one another. I just want to say, as, as, as a side note, I do understand the difficulties of community. I understand the, the, the struggles of community. When I was a couple of years back, okay, well, a couple of years back, there was a friend that I had, still have, um, but we got into some conflict. And it got to a point where, you know, I was neglecting him as a friend, and his response to me was slander. I'm a words guy, so if you want to get to me, just slander me. Um, but anyway, so this, this, this friend would send me walls and walls of texts attacking my character, and I was so hurt. I remember just being in tears in front of my friends at the amount of pain that I was experiencing from this friend, a fellow brother in Christ. Trust me when I say that I do know that the church can stink, and that people in it can stink sometimes. But we're, we're called to be faithful, and thankfully through counsel, that friendship was redeemed. And we were reunified, as Christ calls us to be. But it's hard, I understand that. And that's why we need more than just human will or exertion. That is why we need 
help. And thankfully, God gives us help. So what, are the, what is a gospel community empowered by? That's our help. Whatever empowers us is what's helping us. It's what, it's what enables us. It's what gives us strength. So the first of those things is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what enabled them to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit is what saves us. It's what's prodding people and telling them about Jesus and saying, hey, 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 God exists. The Holy Spirit is what's working inside of us. When we read the word of God, the Holy Spirit is communicating to us. It's convicting us. It's guiding us. It's comforting us. John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Whenever you're talking to your one, you can trust that the Holy Spirit is helping you. The Holy Spirit is helping me now. The Holy Spirit helps us and guides us, and we need the Holy Spirit's help. Because that is what will enable us to be the type of community that we see here through the power of the Holy Spirit. The second category of uh, what, are the, what is a gospel community empowered by is the Word of God. This thing. The Word of God guides us. We, there are proverbs, there are psalms that we can use to sing and to praise God. There's the gospel that tells us specifically about Jesus and the way in which he lived. There are the epistles that are letters to the church that say, hey, stop doing that. Change your ways. Or it's encouragement or whatever it is. There's so many things in this word. This is our our tool, this is our weapon, this is our food. We desperately need this. This is how we survive. This is how I survive in the midst of a stressful workplace. This is how I survive in the midst of anything that's going on. I look to the word of God as a comfort. Last night, I was extremely stressed about this message because apparently I just operate on stress. But anyway... I was extremely stressed, and so what I did was I just laid in bed and just listened to the Psalms. And it was such a great comfort to me, such a great help to me, because you hear David cry out to God, help me. And God says, I will. I will protect you in the shadow of my wings. I am your refuge. I am your rock. Guys, we need the word of God. We live in a pagan city. We truly do. You know we have pink buses that ride around with half-naked women? I'm not kidding. We're in a pagan city. And we need the word of God to fight that. Otherwise, how do we do it? How can we possibly fight that? We need the word of God as our comfort. But we need not only the word of God... We need the help of our leaders and teachers. They depended, this church depended on the apostles' teaching. We too must depend on our leaders. Now, we're not fully dependent. We're not like codependent or whatever. 
But we do recognize that God has, has placed specific offices in his church, elders and deacons, and their role in this church is to guide us. It's a high responsibi- responsibility, very intense responsibility. And they're called to empower us and equip us. That is why I'm here. Because the pastors of this church actually value that concept. They actually value allowing other people to step into roles and empower them by giving them the opportunity. I'm currently empowered by the leaders of this church. And whatever spiritual gift you have, if it's teaching or whatever it is, you can look to the leaders of the church to empower you. You let them know, hey, I think the Lord has gifted me in this way. I want to pursue it. And then that then they can be like, all right, opportunity, pursue. It's the role. Now, obviously, we still, you know, once, once they empower us, then it's our duty to go and do the same for other people because we can empower people as well. We can give people opportunities. I lead a gospel community, and what I do during that is I sometimes when I see someone that is very involved in it and knows the word of God, I say, hey, bro, do you want to teach? Like, you seem to got it. You want to go for it? And they do. And it's awesome. That's empowerment. And that can happen from our leaders and our teachers. And the other area of empowerment is through prayer. We need prayer. And I've already talked about this, but we need it because this is the way in which we communicate to God. We say, God, help this church. We need it. We need your help. Because when we ask in Jesus' name, then he will answer us, and he will help us through this. And so we must seek him in prayer as a church, because things happen when we do that. The early church, this church, was founded upon 120 people sitting in a room and praying, waiting they weren't even doing anything. They were just waiting and praying. And guess what happened? 3,000 people's lives were sold. Yes, not sold, saved. Um, <laughs> so that's a weird, yikes. Um, 3,000 people's souls were saved. Now, obviously, the word of God was also preached, but they had to start with prayer. It must start with prayer. Because that will empower us when we talk to God and it empowers us. Now, this is hard, right? And thankfully, in our final point that says, how do we do this? The answer is Jesus. And I love that that's the Sunday school answer because it really should be. If you're going to church, the answer should be Jesus most of the time. It says this in Philippians 2, 1 through 8. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves." Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind 
among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You want to know your motivation for living in a community like this? You want to know your motivation for living selflessly and counting others more significant than yourself and looking to the interests of others? Jesus. Jesus is always our motivation because he came down. He didn't, he didn't just die a one-time thing. That's honestly, yes, that is hard, but to take a sword, that's a, like, or to, to hang on a cross, that is a one-moment thing. Jesus devoted his entire life to, his, to the people around him and to his disciples and to us to set the example for what it means to lay down one's life on a daily basis. Day to day, he served. He looked to the interests of others perfectly. That's what this text is saying. He was devoted to his disciples. And he knew, he knew that one of them would betray him. And he knew that they would, some of them would deny him and that they would scatter and flee at the time that he would need them most. And he would sleep in the time that he needed them most. But Jesus continually, continually served and loved the people around him. Jesus is our motivation. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up. I feel like that was quick. But anyway, I'm going to invite the band, the band up onto the stage. I want us to remember that. I want us to remember that if we are going to be a community that inspires the world, if we're going to be a community that is devoted to the gospel, devoted to one another, devoted to prayer, if we're going to be something that's incredible, then we must strive to look like Jesus. When it's hard, we look to Jesus and say, I know, I'm struggling. And he says, I know you're struggling. I had to work through that my entire life. Look to me as that example. We look to Jesus as our hope. He's the one that redeems us. And he's the one that we strive to follow after.